Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side today, folks, honoring, remembering 9-11. September 11th. You know, it only comes around once a year. And everybody think about it. Back, think back, think back. Do you have memories? Do you have thoughts? Do you remember where you were when you found out the news? The towers were falling It's a big deal. And so on today's show, we wanted to go back and uh, hear some of the stories because everybody has a story of 9-11. We thought today might be a valuable uh, use of the airwaves if we would just simply remember. Remember the wonderful, uh, you know, togetherness that we felt after Mm -hmm. the country unified and remember the stories. Remember the people. Remember that people died. And... For a while, the U.S. was very united. Oh, extreme. remember that? Oh, yes. And then <laughs> one nation. Uh huh. Really. Thirteen years later, the division again. Yeah. That's why I always sadly say we just need another, nat- you know, another national disaster, and we just come together. But it's sad that that's what it takes. Yeah, it really is. Because that, think of that. We were together. I was in. Oh, yes. Where were you? Uh, on the actual day, day of 9-11. The day of 9-11. Actually, I watched the events happen on television in a newsroom. Oh, yeah. I was working at a news station on that day. I had worked the overnight shift, uh, sitting in for somebody, actually, on the overnight shift. And then um, that morning. You were about ready to leave, I, w- I was, yeah. And then mm-hmm. – the, the news feed it was about an hour before clicking. I was leaving. Yeah. Oh, you no, know, the TVs. And and if you have ever been in a newsroom, oh, yeah. you know how loud, you know how, how rambunctious things can yeah. be. People are running all over the place trying to meet deadlines. That place was still and quiet. Oh, I can only imagine. I was uh, in L.A. at the L.A. Marriott mm-hmm. preparing to start a workshop, but – which is where American Airlines – was it American or United Airlines held yeah, the grief counseling for the families oh. on these planes because a lot – they were all heading mm-hmm. to – They LA. were going to Los Angeles. So we – I got – I was there for three days teaching a workshop and across the hall from me, the grief counseling center for these families. So it was very, very vivid. So what we want to do today is get into some of the facts, some of the data – Behind it, and Sean has been doing some research. We're not going to call these headlines because this no. these aren't headlines. No, what, these are just facts. But these are the facts that about nine eleven. And if you lived through it, this should probably bring back some memories. Yeah. Well, so we had nineteen men get onto four different uh, commercial airlines bound for West Coast destinations. That was on purpose. Yeah, because it had they had lots of fuel. Of fuel. Um, from New York, I guess. Yeah. They, well, no. Two oh. two went from Boston. Uh, one left from Dulles, and then the other left from Newark. Newark, right? So, you have these nineteen men getting on these four airlines, and uh, they're all Al Qaeda. Uh, Osama bin Laden, the leader there, and you have a total of two thousand nine hundred seventy-seven people killed in New York City, Washington D.C., and in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, mm. or outside of Shanksville, I should say. 
At the World Trade Center site in Lower Manhattan, 2,753 people are killed. And that's when American Airlines Flight 11 and United Airlines Flight 175 were intentionally crashed into the north and the south towers of the World Trade Center. Which, by the way, that was the moment. So when you saw the plane. Yes. The first one, remember, there was already a plane. Nobody well, remember. I mean, they couldn't see. They couldn't tell. Yeah, there were people saying, well, I don't know what it was. What it was. I saw an object go yeah. into it. And I remember that's when the breaking news started was yeah. – and it, you could already see smoke coming out of the first tower the first tower that was hit. I remember turning on – my wife said, turn on the Today Show. I turned on the Today Show. I was ironing clothes. Yeah. And then that second plane hit. Your wife was with you in Los Angeles? No, she called me in. She oh, I called see. it in. Okay. Yeah. And then the second plane hit and then it's like, oh, boy. Yeah. Once we saw the second plane hit, everything changed. Yeah. That, that, that moment – well, you know, at the first, world changed. Well, yeah, the first plane hitting, you could think, well, that could have been just, you know, that could have been a plane malfunctioning, right? Could have been anything, you know, a civilian. I mean, just somebody. Exactly. And we didn't know if it was yeah. a commercial. We didn't know what kind of plane right. it might have been. Could have been a helicopter or something. Who knows? Although it was a very big hole. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know. But the first plane hit at eight forty-six Eastern time. That was Americans Air America Airlines Flight Eleven going from Boston to, to Los Angeles, and that hit the North Tower. Then at 9.03, so less, just almost 20 minutes later, United Airlines Flight 175, also from Boston to Los Angeles, hits the South Tower of the World Trade Center. Wow. That's and that's, just, that's when our world really changed. That's it. That's, do you remember? And that's just when... That's I, when I, we knew it was an attack. Yeah, and I remember people saying, gosh, this is... This is the end of the world. Some people did, yes. This is our Pearl Harbor. Yes, I would agree with that. James, what were you doing? You must have been two. <laughs> oh, I was in elementary school. Were you? Yeah, do I was you in sixth grade. I do. Oh, sixth grade. You were old enough. Yeah. So, I mean, I was still young enough that, like, I guess I didn't understand the full implications of what yeah. was happening, mm -hmm. you know. But, I, I mean, I, I definitely realized, I realized at the moment the second plane hit – that you know that that scary realization that America was under attack. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just had gotten to uh, elementary school that morning. I I hadn't heard any of it because I walked I walked to school, and so I walked into the classroom and my our teacher already had a television that was turned on. And oh really? We, yeah, we had a television in the classroom, and we actually didn't do anything that entire day. We just kept on the television on the news and and just watched it. And I guess we were all just kind of in shock, mm -hmm. you know, that this was happening. Mm -hmm. Did they cancel schools the next day? I, can't, I was out of town. I don't, I don't believe know. they did. I don't think they, they did. They just kept going to school. Yeah. Kept watching it. Like, <laughs> my my, kid, my kids us. were not in school, so. Yeah. At that time. I was a, a leader of a, of a congregation in the LDS Church. I was a bishop, a lay leader. And, um, wow, two, three hundred people needed someone to talk to. <laughs> So uh -huh. when I got back from L.A. Which took a few days. Yeah. it took. Well, I got to – I took a bus back. Oh, did you? Yeah. Big, and by the way, got <laughs> uh, a lot of different people were on those buses. Oh, yes. So I They're got on the bus. crowded too, I'll bet. Very crowded. And I got to take a Greyhound from basically L.A. to Salt Lake City, which means you, it's, you, know, you stop every hour. Yeah. It's probably a 20-hour trip. Yeah. And the guy would like – you know, uh, what would he say? Mesquite, Nevada. Mm -hmm. Ten minutes. Smoke them if you got them. And everyone would, everyone would get off. 
go smoke, and then I'll get back on. But in Vegas, um, I'm sitting there, and I had there was like one or two empty seats. No, there was an empty seat next to me, and there weren't very many on the bus. And you know when people get on the bus, and you're like, oh no, no, don't sit by me. I don't want you to sit by me. <laughs> well, this this uh, I don't know how to say just this dancer. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, just an exotic dancer. That's the best way to put it. Named Mocha. <laughs> that was her stage name. She got on the bus, and I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. And Mocha came and sat right next to me. All right. And so the rest of the night, it went all the way through the night. Mocha and I just talked. Cool. I go, what's your name? She's like, Mocha or Honey. They call me both. And I'm like, really? She goes, what do they call you? And I'm like, mm, Bishop. Matt. Bishop. They call me Bishop. <laughs> That's what they call me. Anyway, so that my 9-11 so, was that. Yeah. Crazy. Well, 9-37 on that day, it was when the uh, American Airlines Flight 77, which was the one from Dulles to Los Angeles, hit the Pentagon building. Uh, at the Pentagon, uh, there were 184 people that were killed there. And then in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, you had 40 passengers and crew members aboard United Airlines Flight 93 who died oh. when the plane crashed into a field. Um, of course, we all know about the uh, passengers trying to retake the plane. That's right. Uh, although, I, you know, I don't know if we will ever know whatever would actually happen on that plane. I don't know if they were actually trying to retake it or if they were trying to just yeah, they were take out the people that were there. But it was... Uh, an amazing day. And then at 9.59 that day, the South Tower collapsed. And at 10.03 was when Flight 93 went down. And then at 10.28, the North Tower mm. collapsed. Meanwhile, President Bush circling the country. President Bush was in a classroom, a second grade when classroom. Was, when it was told to him. When it was, yeah. I, they've, I've, I've been watching a lot of video, actually, then, in preparation for this. Then they got him in the air. Circled, and he stayed there. And then... Um, they refueled in the air. Yeah. Airport shut down. I remember looking oh, yeah. out at LAX Flights. airport. Not, yeah. a, not an airplane There was not an airplane moving. in the sky. Then there wasn't any moving on the ground. Right. The only one in the sky was probably the president and anything, any so, other military... Uh, escort that he had, but the buses were moving. <laughs> they were. Isn't that amazing? That was the probably honestly the safest day of our lives. Well, I, the planes were down for three days. Yeah, I mean, think of that. It was the scariest day, but yeah. we were we were in more danger on September tenth. Yes, than we were on September eleventh. Once September eleventh hit, yeah, or twelfth, because then it it's over. You know, now it's just game on. So. um Today we got a great show because here's what we're going to do. We talked about the airplane that hit that first one that hit the tower, which was which was um, Flight 11 that hit the World, mm-hmm. World Trade Center. We have a guest joining us now who had family on that airplane, and um, a little bit later in the show, the airplane that hit the Pentagon. We're going to be talking to uh, one of our wonderful uh, military. Uh, members who was in the Pentagon the day that plane hit. We're hearing the stories, folks, the stories from 9-11, those that uh, lost friends, close loved ones from the inside. We're going to be talking about 9-11. We're taking a break when we come back, honoring the memories, honoring the lives of those that were lost on 9-11. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. 
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are celebrating uh, the memories, the lives of those that we lost on 9-11 13 years ago. Think about it. Every one of you has a story. You remember where you found out about it. You remember you remember the stories that you heard on the news, all of those wonderful uh, uh, vignettes that you saw. People were changed on September 11th. Today, we specifically wanted to get into a few of the stories that we have heard um, that maybe you haven't heard. Family members who had loved ones on those airplanes or loved ones at the Pentagon. And today we're going to be hearing their story. Right now, I have in studio with me Margaret Wallstrom. Margaret, been married to Norman Wallstrom for 40 years. She has seven children, 18 grandchildren. Uh, attended Utah State University, Weber State University, and she um, also currently is a member of the board of directors for Utah's First Lady Jeanette Herbert's initiative on um, families called Uplift Families. But the reason we wanted Margaret on the show today is Margaret's mother-in-law, Mary Alice Wallstrom, and her sister-in-law, Carolyn Ann, is it Buke? Yes. That's right. We're both killed on September 11th aboard Flight 11 at the World Trade Center. So that was the first airplane that hit. That had your mother-in-law and your sister-in-law. Yes, it did. And what a what a moment in our life. It changed changed everything forever. Oh, yeah, how could it not, huh? But yeah, that morning uh, it was beautiful. It was such a beautiful day. Yeah, do you um, remember? I remember. So, oh yes, it's vivid in my mind. Um, we had a daughter that morning that was supposed to be leaving for Germany to go on a mission for yeah. our church, and we were all excited to go to the airport and see her off to Germany. Um, it was picture day for my youngest daughter, oh, no. uh, Mallory. School pictures, huh? School picture day, and so normally I would have been in the kitchen cleaning up from breakfast, watching the news, but I wasn't that particular morning because I was doing her hair. Got to get her hair ready. <laughs> and she, you know, you put the TV in front of her so she sits still, but yeah. um, she was, I was fixing her hair. She was 12 in junior high, and I was fixing her hair, and the phone rang, and um, I went and answered it, and it was one of my daughter Marianne's friends uh, that was supposed to go to the airport with us, and she said, is Marianne still flying out today? Oh, boy. And I thought it was a strange question, and I said, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, and today's she said, the day. well, haven't you heard? And I said, no, what heard what? And yeah. she said, well, a plane just went into the World Trade Center, and someone has bombed the Pentagon. And that was the information she had. And, of course, I'm in shock and yeah. trying to wrap my brain around the whole thing. And she says, well, go turn on the television. So I did, and as I'm watching, like every other American, with horrific shock and unbelief, um, the phone rang again, and it was my brother-in-law, Philip, from uh, Las Vegas. Oh, boy. And his voice was horrible. I could tell he was upset, and I said, Philip, what do you need? He says, I need to talk to Norm right now. And I said, well, he's on his way to work. And he says, well, I've got to talk to him. And I said, what's the matter? And he says, well, I think Mom and Carolyn are on that plane. Oh, and, did your heart just sink? What do you do right there? Well, y- you immediately try to figure out all the reasons why it can't be yeah, true. Yeah, it can't be that, yeah. Because we were supposed to be picking her up that day from the airport after we sent my other daughter, my daughter off. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. She's not in New York. She's in Boston. Yeah. So it can't it be It can't her. be a, bo- a New York plane. It's her. a Boston plane. 
And, of course, Mallory's listening to this. And uh, so I got off the phone after I talked to Philip. I told him how to get hold of Norm, and I thought, I've got to get Mallory out of here in case this is real. Yeah. I didn't want – I just wanted her out of there. So I took her to school. <laughs> yep, time to go to school. And you look great. So <laughs> Let's get your picture taken. I took taken. her to school, but I, she knew. She kind of knew all day that something was wrong. And I had this big image in my mind as things unfolded that day that I was going to have this quiet moment in the evening, which never happened, yeah, no. to talk to the kids. But um, anyway, I uh, we had another daughter in high school at the time that had a tennis tournament that day in Ogden, and we were supposed to be going to that after we went to the airport. And uh, uh, she called from school and asked if, if we had seen what was going on, and mm-hmm. I said, oh, yeah, you know, and I really did a good job, and I did not let on to her that anything was wrong. And so she went about her day at school not having any clue at all. And the sad thing about that part of the story is um, Meredith, my my little high school girl, she was a sophomore at the time, went to her tennis match, which we never missed them, but we yeah. missed that day. And she heard the story coming home in the car with her friends. Um, that her grandma... That her grandmother had been killed, and she heard it on the radio. I mean, that's how she found because out. Because the news found out her name and found out... Is that how she knew? Yeah, and, and so I was surprised at how fast the, the news found out. But did they find out before you? Did you get an official call? No. Or did we, the family get a call that said somebody, your mother, and nobody uh, got a call? No, we spent about 45 minutes to an hour trying to get hold of somebody who could tell us whether or not they were on that plane. And it took, you know, everybody was calling American Airlines and everybody right. was on the phone. And it took us a long time to actually verify that they really were on that plane and that mm. it, it was true. And uh, so I was shocked, though, at how fast the news media got on top of it because uh. I got home. And within within two hours of the whole thing happening, our house was surrounded by by cameras and news media and people calling on the phone. And it was unbelievable. Well, and your (laughs) husband lost his mom. Yes, he did. And he came immediately home to be with his father. His father was in tremendous shock. And uh, that was a very sad thing to watch. uh, I'll never forget the moment that my husband put down the phone when he realized that his mom and sister were on that plane. And he said, this is just so cruel. Mm. And, you know, it, it was just uh, it was just that. But um, what was amazing, I had a son at the time that was in Nauvoo doing uh, BYU. Yeah. Study abroad in, New, in, in Nauvoo. Nauvoo, Illinois. He was in Nauvoo, mm. Illinois. Uh, we couldn't get him home. Um, we had our daughter that was supposed to go to Germany that day. They allowed her to come home from the MTC in Provo with her companion, and she, she arrived home uh, within a few hours. Um, I had a couple sons that were at BYU as students, uh, my daughter that was in high school, my daughter that was in junior high, but everybody came you just home. Went, Yeah, everyone came home. Everybody came home, and I've often thought about that and how it's kind of like encircling the wagons. Yeah, yeah. When you have a family unit like that, that love each other so much and that support each other, I think that that is one of the core principles of um, survival. Yeah. 
Yeah. It really is. Making because, it through such a thing. Yeah. You need your family to come home. People, you need to be surrounded, taken care of. Well, and you give each other strength. And I was quite surprised that day at just how strong my children were. They were amazing. They totally amazed me. So you had generate. You had grandpa, um, you and your mm-hmm. husband, and then your your kids. And the kids brought a lot of strength. Oh, they were amazing. In fact, the news people kept coming to the door and knocking on our door. And my husband said, I absolutely cannot talk to anybody. I just yeah. can't do it. Right. And um, so some of the kids finally went out and started talking to him. And to listen to my children speak was an amazing thing. And then they kept saying, well, we want one of the adults to come out. And so um, at one point I finally uh, went out and uh, spoke to them. And, and, you know, that was a moment of truth for me because I'd always thought that if I had someone in my family that was killed or, you know, had something horrible happen to him, that uh, God would forgive us if yeah. we didn't if we, like him, yeah, if we, we hated him angry. a little bit. Right. Yeah, we got right. angry. And uh, I had known people that had, had horrible things happen in their lives. And uh, I'd been close to a couple people who actually had family members murdered. And I thought, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, you, you could get that. But when that reporter put that microphone in my face and said, do you want revenge? How do you feel about this? And in that split second, I realized that I could not hate them. Yeah. Yeah. That I couldn't want revenge because of the principles we held as a family. Beautiful. You stuck to your principles when hate would have been easier. Yeah. Well, but in the end, it would it have would. gotten you. <laughs> yeah. We're talking with Margaret Wallstrom, uh, remembering those that we lost on 9-11. We're, we're going into the, the other side of the story, the side of the story you don't always hear, the family, those that are left behind. We want to hear about them. We want to hear from them today. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more from Margaret Wallstrom and her story of her loss of her uh, mother-in-law and her sister-in-law on 9-11 aboard Flight 11 at the World Trade Center. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Friends, to the Matt Townsend Show today, honoring the lives of uh, those we lost on 9/11 and the lessons uh, we've learned. We're trying to figure out and see if we can't bring back to life some of that spirit that we had um, as a country, that unified hope. The uh, you know we were together as a country, and we wanted to make sure on this day that we see if we can't rekindle some of that. Joining us in studio today is Margaret Wallstrom. Now, Margaret, uh, her husband is Norman Wallstrom, and Norman's mother, so Margaret's mother-in-law, and Norman's sister. You know, we don't do in-laws in our family. Yeah, no, you're all just family. That's it. Well, why would you, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, if there was yeah. a lawsuit, you'd need the in-law. I know. But <laughs> there's no lawsuits here. <laughs> but um, her name, your sister, sister-in-law was mm-hmm. Carolyn Ann Bug. Bug. She died in that plane crash along with her mother, and you 
you you not just you had to deal with nine eleven, but you had to deal with it and the loss of a family member, two family members, and the media wanting to hear your story, and the mourning that had to t- you had to mourn. You had to go mm-hmm. through. Tell us, and you you mentioned a little bit earlier about how your values, your 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 family, you know, values, your your religious beliefs. How how did that help you? Kind of go through that process. How did how did your family help you heal as a family? Well, you think about grief and pain, and there's absolutely no way to describe that to anybody that hasn't experienced it, and we all experience it differently. But you think about how how do you deal with grief or how do you deal with that kind of pain? There's no aspirin for it. There's right. there's no magic for it. Um, but we found a, a really important element, and that was, um, first of all, per- gratitude. Yeah. You know, you asked me a minute ago uh, about reliving 9-11 every year. Because it's every year it's coming up. And is that comes. a good thing? Is that a bad thing for you? It's a good thing. Is because it? for us, it's a day of gratitude. It is a day of gratitude. And we we kind of ended up wrapping our grief, which you feel and you go through and you continue to go through it forever. But we kind of wrap it inside of gratitude and purpose. Mm. And, you know, I think uh, our value system and our faith gives us purpose in life. And if you have purpose and you have hope, and that's all encompassed in faith, and you have those things, then you can make that step forward. Yeah. And I've always hated the term uh, closure or moving on because that connotates that you've closed a door or you've left something behind Mm -hmm. and you're moving on without it. No, you move on with it. But I prefer to think of it as moving forward with purpose. So you had had to find a new purpose. I mean, you lost people you love and that's hard, but you you then went forward with faith, really. You went forward with hope Mm -hmm. and you wrapped that loss into a new purpose. Exactly. What was well, the purpose? some some of the old purpose of family, yeah, but new purpose in meaning. Mm, you know, much this, more yeah, meaningful. The and... same old things we've always loved. You know, you love your family. You you love what you're trying to do in life and your goals that you set for your family. But now suddenly you realize how fragile life is. How things can happen beyond your control. Right. How how there's bad people in the world out there, and how are we going to stop that? How are we going to stop hate? Well, you you counteract it with love and you counteract it with aggressive service mm. and living your life to the fullest as far as your value system will allow you to. So you wanted to live fully. And so instead of using the energy to maybe drive more anger, more hate, more vengeance, you turned it to love and then you wanted to just leave it all out there. Yeah, and Change give it. back all the time. Mm. And I, I love how my children – have have grabbed up the torch and and my husband actually did get to run the torch in, oh, the, Olympics in the Olympics that year but you know you take that torch and and you hold it up high and you go forward and try to help others and that was an overwhelming desire for us because right after 911 we got letters from literally all over the world did you really because of our um membership in the LDS Church, they had done an article in the church news and in the Ensign about us. And so people all over the world had heard about our family. And suddenly I started getting letters from literally all over the world oh, wow. full of love, people we'd never met. 
And when people give you that kind of love, yeah. you want to give it back. Isn't that amazing? Because you, you become the highlight of it all. Everyone goes to you, and mm-hmm. yet you're being fed by just somebody that read an article and thinks, I want to thank her. And they, they write you a letter. And then that lifts you up. Well, and it made me want to be even up. better than I was. That's I thought, it. I've got to live up to this. That's how you change the world then. Yeah. I mean, you could just hate or you just give. And love. And the, I mean, it's, isn't that interesting how everybody was lifting everybody? Yes. You did your job, serve, you know, going through the grief. And I guess the reporters did their job writing an article, which you allowed information on, more information probably than you wanted to. <laughs> yeah. And which they stole and ripped from <laughs> you. And then um, somebody reads it and is changed and feels a prompting to write you, which lifts you. I mean, it's. There's power if all of us would just do what we're prompted to do. And the word unity. Yeah. The word unity. You know, we, we built the memorial in Kaysville. Now tell about this because I haven't and mentioned it yet. You uh, – last year, um, you basically – you put together a memorial in Kaysville, Utah of a, a fireman on a knee, bronzed, nine feet tall, looking – to God, I guess, and holding a looking baby. Looking upward. Looking upward. Think about looking up. Yeah. Not looking down. Yeah. Looking up. Hope. Uh, the fireman represents the first responders, of course, from the World Trade Center and 9-11 and the whole day. The first responders were everywhere that day, Pentagon, everywhere. But he also represents us as first responders. Yeah. This is what our Youth of Promise or our kids came up with. He represents us, and he's holding a child. And the reason he's holding a child is that is our future. The child represents our future, our hope for the future. And he's looking up because that's kind of where you look when you're going through those kind of things. And so the kids, this was really important to them. And he's got his hat off in reverence here on the ground. He's on one knee. On one knee. As if, you know, we think about how 9-11 brought us to our knees. Yeah. It brought us to our knees in a different way. Yeah. Not like some people would think, but yeah. it brought us to our knees in unity and in faith. And we all had faith of some kind that day. Oh, absolutely. In something better and something yeah. greater. Even just a future. Into that would future. be brighter. But the three words the kids came up with to represent our memorial were, were remembrance, hope, and let's see, I got to think hope, unity, and remembrance. Wow. So those were the three words. And it came from your kids. It came from the youth of promise, which are 14 to 18 year olds. That's amazing. They were awesome to well, work that's with. That's what you said earlier is how, how much the children that don't even quite, didn't quite get it meant and and how much they drove your healing too. Well, and one of the original girls, her name's Camille, and she uh, she was just 14, 15 when we first started this memorial. And her whole thing, she said, someday I want to bring my children here and show them this memorial and tell them about it and tell them my my part in building it and what it means to me and oh, wow. hopefully teach them how to be better people and to make a better world. That's amazing. Again, I guess, so as an outsider that thinks, could I go through that? What would you say to somebody that's thinking, I don't think I could go through that? Well, you have to. When When you're faced with it, you have to. And so you rely upon your resources. And just like we're told sometimes to, 
you know, I, I know now with the disasters that you hear about, the hurricanes, the different things people are all into thinking about, storing food and, and preparing for disasters, you have to prepare for your emotional disasters too and your pain because they'll come. And you prepare by them, prepare for them by building up your value system, your hope, yeah. and your purpose of life. If, if, I guess if you haven't been working on your purpose, if you don't know it, that's where it'll be exposed. Exactly. It's where you find out the most about yourself. Yeah. And you know, strength isn't something you have. It is something you become. Yeah. It's not something you are. It's something you became, become. And, and maybe many of us don't even have a, an idea of how strong we really are. And I think we're all stronger than we realize. Oh, yeah. And then, and then yeah. all of a sudden you have a crazy disaster that f- makes you play the hand. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's beautiful. Well, Margaret, we we appreciate you and we honor you and your family um, and just your incredible spirit to want to make it better. We so appreciate you. Thank you for having me here Tell today. your family we love them and uh, thanks for the hope, the unity, and the remembrance. Those are the words, right? Exactly. Those are going to go down thank in history. You. <laughs> We're going to use those a lot today. Okay. Uh, again, Margaret, thank you. And um, a, a story. Right. But a story of strength, a story of power, a story of healing. And honestly, folks, as Americans, we we need to remember these stories. It's not enough to just remember 9-11. We could just talk terrorism all day long. We need to talk about what Margaret's talking about, hope, unity, remembrance, our values, our family. Those are the places where true healing take place. We're going to take a break, folks. We'll be right back. More uh, honoring those on 9-11 that we've lost. More lessons to be learned right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, your guide on the side. Today, we are talking about 9-11. Lessons learned, the spirit felt, and uh, the lives that were lost. And we're trying to basically give you some other stories, some stories you probably haven't heard. Uh, Every one of us, this is what I think is really powerful about 9-11. Every one of us has a story of what you know, we went through what we felt, what we did as, um, as you know, you found out about the planes crashing into the buildings. Also, we've been bringing on people who lost family. Margaret Wallstrom was here. She lost her mother-in-law, Mary Alice Wallstrom, and her sister-in-law, Carolyn Ann Bugue, um, who were both killed on aboard Flight 11. That was the first airplane to crash into the World Trade Center. A little bit later, we're going to be bringing in um, Ken Page, who was a colonel and was in the military serving at the Pentagon. And uh, he himself was there the day the plane hit and by truly a blessing from above was not, you know, in in harm's way at the time of the of the uh, of that plane hitting the Pentagon. So we're going to be bringing Ken on in a minute. But before we do this, um, I, I, Sean's been doing some research on children. And uh, because, again, before the break, I was telling you, this is a great time to teach not just the tragedy, the horrors of 
what happened on 9-11. And a lot of the news stories, if you remember, we were traumatized and we kept watching stories after story. Do you remember for, oh, yes. for a month? It was just nonstop every night. Mm-hmm. But Sean has been putting together some um, some learning, some ways that we might want to share the lessons of 9-11 and, exactly. and help our children. Well, uh, so three years ago, we had the 10th anniversary. Yeah. And um, I, I remember my kids came home from school that day asking about 9-11. And I sat there and thought, well, my oldest was there watching the TV with me when it happened. Yeah. Well, and then I realized well, she was two. She really wasn't watching. <laughs> she was uh, well. She was actually yeah. She she was just about to turn three. Yeah. So it was you know it was very different. Yeah. Um. My my second child was n- not even a year old at that time. Yeah. So and my two other children weren't even born. But these young kids. They they can't necessarily handle it. No, they don't. There's not a context. There's not a exactly. They don't get it. So you got to do so more do you, than just put them in front of the TV. Well, I, I, now what I'm thinking of though is I'm betting that my kids are going to come home from school today and say, "Hey, do you realize today's 9/11 Patriots Day?" Yeah, and I'm going to say, "Yes, I do." Do you realize why we have a commemoration of this day? And think of how raw this is that you remember, right? Yeah, so I remember. Fast forward 80 more years. I know. You probably won't remember by then. Mm, maybe not. <laughs> so, let's keep it alive. But how, but how do you answer your kids' questions? How yeah. do you talk to your kids about this this whole situation about 9-11? And I was looking out um, at the 9, uh, 9-11memorial.org website, and they have an article on how to do it. Excellent. And I think it's a very good article. Well, give us the tips. The first step they talk about is to not avoid a difficult conversation. Yeah, don't run. Don't Mm. run from it. Remember that the attacks themselves are the thing that's upsetting, not the conversation Mm -hmm. about them. Yeah. Talking about them is not necessarily going to upset your child. Right. Now, if you put them in front of a TV and show them all the video. Yeah, and then ignore them. (laughs) Exactly. That could be. But you can also ask, what do you think we are remembering on the anniversary of 9-11? Uh, or what would you like to know about 9-11? Let them figure out what to ask you. Yeah, let them lead it. If, exactly. if you go asking all the questions, you're not paying attention to them. They're going to give right. you – you'll know. I mean, if they'll know when they're more interested, they'll give you more questions. Mm-hmm. When they're not, they might back out. And then answer the questions about the attacks with facts. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you, your children have all these, you know, all these information sources mm-hmm. coming at them. With all sorts of different information about the attacks, right. but and facts and and because mm-hmm. we've also um, we've politicized it, we've yes. done all of these things mm-hmm. that it seems like we might do more harm if we if we tell a horribly biased, uh, non factually based approach to this, you might set your kids up to hate a culture. Exactly, you could set them up to hate Islam and not even understand. That's, that's not what we want. That's not what we need. Happen. Right. Mm-hmm. The third step is to acknowledge that we don't have all the answers. Yep. You know, you know, you may not be they may bring up a question that you don't know the answer yeah. to about this event. That's right. It's very possible. Um but it's okay to say, you know, I'm not sure about that. Or I don't know That's that answer. That's a great answer. question. Let's go find it out. Exactly. There's yeah. I'm sure there's tons of information on the internet that you right. could do. You could search out. The next one is to be specific. Yeah. Don't don't paint over it in broad strokes. Yeah. Oh yes, a lot of people died that day. 
Yes. That's why we're, we're remembering this day. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Talk about the planes. Talk about the locations. Right. Talk about what happened. And remember that your child's emotions are going to vary in this in yeah. this whole situation. They're they're going to be they may they may run the gambit from, you know, total breakdown crying because a lot of people died to maybe being a little just Oh, really? Yeah, what? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. So so take their lead. Ex- that's exactly right. That's huge. Listen to them and that's why you have them ask the questions. Yeah. Now, you want to monitor your TV and internet sources. Because today's going to go crazy. It is. Except for there is a BYU football game on. Yeah, well, today is going to go crazy, yes. (laughs) So you might want to watch that as well. Right. And then know yourself. Remember remember the emotions that you had when you thought about this. That's the power of it because then you can connect real emotion to it, Mm -hmm. real power. One of the things I remember vividly, and it involves children. So I was at the time – I got – it was actually two years later – or a year later, um, I I was a, a scout leader. Okay. So I went from being a leader of a group in in my church of hundreds of people. Then I was in charge of scouting. <laughs> Sorry. Which is great. It was great. It was <laughs> a lot easier and more. It was interesting. But I was in charge once of um, of putting together a um, a flag retiring yes ceremony mm-hmm. where you retire a flag. And it's an interesting ceremony, and it's very it's very precise how you do it because mm-hmm. so we had this tattered flag from our church. It needed to be retired, and there's a protocol, and you follow the protocol. And exactly. As part of the protocol, you end up ceremoniously cutting the flag mm-hmm. up, and you'll cut things out, the stars out, and then you burn them, and you straight say certain things. So we decided we were going to do this, and um, we invited the fire department to show up. Sure. They managed the fire, so right. we didn't burn a bunch of scouts. And uh, we were celebrating um, our, our military. We were celebrating the firefighters, all the volunteers, and in remembrance, in remembrance of 9-11. And it was the most incredibly solemn moment I have ever seen. Wow. In probably ever in scouting, but ever in probably my life. Hmm was in a parking lot of a church, fire department crying, police department there, and a bunch of scouts, just misfit scouts that felt something. That's great. So I sit there and I think we, – we think of these kids as like, ah, they're just a bunch of sponges. Right. But they are. They're also – they Sometimes get it. sponges leak. They do. They do. They, and they did. And But they also get the power of this. So yeah. don't overlook the kids. This is their memory. This is their history. This is their future. Exactly. We, if we can tie them into learning this and then elevate them by remembering the hope of it. That's power. the last step. Emphasize hope. This isn't just dark. No. As we've heard already. Yeah. And we also need to make sure we're thanking those that gave their lives and the military as well. Exactly. This should this should connect us to that and also loving all mankind. Now, I remember doing this um, three years ago on the 10th anniversary. Nickelodeon actually put out a news special about, oh, really? about 9-11. Perfect. For kids. If you remember the news person, Linda Ellerby. Yeah. She's the host of this. And you can search uh, – Nick News 9-11, you will find it. I, I found it today myself. It's about 25 minutes long. Wow. It That's is, something to watch. It is. If you want to sit down with your kids 
and be able to have them ask you questions about 9-11, this is the thing to watch. I'm telling Linda you. Linda Ellerbee goes through and answers. Yeah. She says, here's the facts. Here's what happened that day. And then they have kids ask questions. Yeah, which your kids would relate to. And exactly. it's Nickelodeon. Exactly. So your kids are already trusted. Exactly. It's a very, very good a great way to show your kids what happened on this day. Man, it's a powerful stewardship you have when you have a child and uh, a, an important um, event like 9-11. We're going to take a break, folks. When we come back, we've got uh, a true hero, I believe. Um, retired Colonel Kenneth M. Page is joining us. He was in the Pentagon and by grace was uh, was protected and saved and was not um, harmed but got to see the aftermath of it, we're going to invite him in to tell us his story. Uh, Colonel Ken Page, after this break, right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are honoring uh, honoring all those involved in 9-11, those that lost their lives, those that saved people's lives, those that had to go through the battle of, of uh, maybe being in the Pentagon and and having to sort through, you know, and, and see how, how blessed you were, that you weren't taken in that tragic event. And so we've asked a very special guest to join us. His name is Kenneth M. Page. He is retired, served as a, as a he's a, retired as a colonel in the United States Air Force, and he served there for 25 years. He was a helicopter pilot, a wing commander at Hill Air Force Base, which is here in, in Utah, a group commander of the Air Force Survival School near Spokane, Washington. He was also a squadron commander of the 1st Helicopter Squadron uh, near Washington. And he also worked in D.C. as a defense contractor in the Pentagon after retiring from the Air Force. He's married to his beautiful wife, Joni, who is here. And we're, I think we're going to bring her in in a minute. She's, she's his personal bodyguard and <laughs> won't let him go now. They've been married 37 years. They have five children, 13 grandchildren. Uh, Kenneth, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And first of all, too, thank you for your service, 25 years. I appreciate it. And you were in the Pentagon the day, the fateful day, 9-11. Yeah, I was. But first, if I may, yeah. I'd just like to extend my condolences to the families of all of those who, who passed away on that day and, and a salute to all the heroes. It's true. Because there were a lot of them that day. There were a lot of them. And I bet you saw a lot of them in the Pentagon. Yeah, I did. So that day, I it was a beautiful September day. We all know that. Yeah. Uh, and and I ha- was working in there. I had uh, my schedule unexpectedly free up, so I went to the gym. Went well, out for well, a run. How often does that happen? Almost never. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, I you start work there at six. You leave at about seven at night. Wow. It's a long day. Most of the day is filled with meetings. So it was really unusual. Uh, so I just took the opportunity to go hit the gym, hit the gym, and go out for a nice run. And while I was running, of course, I couldn't. I was oblivious to, yeah, to you, the news. Yeah. But as I came back into the gym and was changing clothes, showered, changed clothes, I could hear over the PA system the story of uh, the news about that planes crashing into the two towers, the right. three towers. So I just hurried up and and uh, and wanted to get back to my office, turn the TV on and see what was going on. Um, the, the gym is kind of outside of the Pentagon uh, and, a, and over a pedestrian bridge and underground. So I came up out of 
the stairwell yeah. at the top of that bridge right as the airplane impacted the Pentagon on the other side. Oh, man. So I could see that very first plume of smoke go up, and there were just two of us standing there kind of watching with slack-jawed. Yeah. <laughs> and not really knowing what, what it, it was and not really tying it yet to the, the attacks in New York City. Wow. And so you had no idea what was going on, really? None. Uh, but moments later, you know, there's, you there's about 16 or, or 20 doors that are to the Pentagon on that side of the building, and they just Flew open. popped open, and, and there was People. A, a mass of humanity running uh, away. Uh, and you were really walking toward the building? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's – and then what would you do? What do you do when everyone else is exiting? Well, you, there, there was no way I could have swum yeah, off that stream. So yeah. we just uh, – most of us went and congregated down by the the river, the Potomac River, yeah. uh, on the north side of the building. And, uh, and we're trying to figure out what was happening. I think one of the most uh, patriotic things that I remember that day is an F-16 from, from oh. Andrews Air Force Base came screaming overhead really low. Yeah. And obviously it, it had got Protecting. scrambled but a little bit too late to – Yeah. To stop the uh, the airplane, but and it, it was, just circled, didn't it? Yeah, just circled low and uh, loud, wow. and it was it was very impressive. And we knew at that point that that it was that the events were tied together. Yeah, I mean, remember that that was such a tense situation because they thought another plane was on its way to the White House. Yeah, and a lot of us were just you know we didn't know what to do. We were standing down by the river, and, and remember, there's tens of thousands of people working this building, right? And uh, and so there's a, there's a lot of people. Uh, and then the Pentagon police, who did an excellent job, yeah. were, were right there with loudspeakers saying, run away, right. basically, because there's another plane inbound to D.C. We don't know where it's going. And, of course, that was a plane that crashed in Pennsylvania. Oh, it's just – it's a lot, isn't it? I mean, it is. And you knew people. I mean, you knew of you, – you went to work with these people. You would go to meetings and sit in meetings with these people. You didn't happen to lose anyone in your group. No. But you knew others that had lost a lot. Yeah, most of the people that worked uh, for me actually worked in an office building about three miles away in Roslyn. So, oh, thank heavens. But they were all in and out of the Pentagon regularly to meetings. So I had a, to go count noses and, and see if we, we could find everybody, which was a, a real challenge. But uh, I did have a neighbor who lost uh, – in an Army colonel that had lost about 30 people oh. uh, right at the point of impact. Really? And uh, and so to, to – Walk through the recovery and, and and how do you put your office back together afterwards uh, with him was was kind of an incredible experience. That is was this I guess this is this has got to be you've you've done a lot. You're a wing commander, a group commander, a squadron commander. Was this I guess one of your biggest lessons that you had through the military? Well, it brings uh, what you do for a living real real, close real to time, home. right? Because any of us can go to work on any given day or out to run errands yeah. on any given day, and then you might not come home. But to be attacked, to be attacked on our own territory and in the military, or I mean, something we would yeah, have never have expected in our in our country, isn't that just it's amazing? Um, as I sit there and I think, I, I just think of the. I don't know the this the the I wouldn't go back to work. I would have just I'd be gone, and I didn't go back to work actually um, when I got back. But you tell a really interesting story. So you when did when did that day you had to leave because they wouldn't let you back in the building, right? Uh, and then what? You go home. Yeah, my Johnny, car my car there. was stuck in the parking lot on the south side yeah, where the plane car impacted, <laughs> and so I I finally got home uh, late in the evening, but. Uh, but the next day, you know, the, the 
the key staff, the key personnel in the Pentagon had to be back in the office. Uh, and I normally got in about six and you were I back in there early at 6 a.m. Absolutely. And it was just, it was just kind of a skeleton staff, but it was important for the, the military to project to yeah. the world that we weren't going to stop working we're back just at because uh, of this attack. Oh, wow. That is, I mean, I guess that's the lesson, right? Is that we're not going to be stopped. Right. It's just we're going to keep going. And the people in the military are trained to deal with, with stress, of course, yeah. and, and to do the right things. And, and you just roll up your sleeves and go to work. Uh, the, the very next day, I was assigned down to the Air Force Operations Center to to uh, to run a shift, a 12-hour shift. And it, it was every day for about three months. For three months, you were? Uh, well, we were spinning up into a, a war footing, activating the reserve forces. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, you had together, to get ready for war. Yeah, putting together the strategies on who and where to attack. and. And so we didn't have a lot of time to, yeah. to think about and, and ponder what had happened. Yeah. We, we were we were working, you know, twelve hour days and and going home and late and going to bed and starting it all over. The did next you day. feel like? Um, I mean, you you were did you know you were making history? Did you know how big this was? The minute. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, because uh, it seemed, and then it got bigger and bigger, right? I mean, yeah, and, and I mean, just. Hearing the term Patriots Day, yeah. uh, seeing the the celebrations, the the museums, the, the healing fields, the, yeah. all of the things that – the flags out in front of all the houses today, uh, it has really grown into something that's evolving into a – It's something a, It's something super yeah. powerful. Maybe what we ought to do um, – let's have Joni come over for a sec. We only have about a minute now, Joni, but we'll get you back. But Joni, so you're here you are. You're at home. And what I, happened? You, you get I the call. Actu- I was actually um, teaching a middle school class of math. Were you really? And um, a friend of mine came in to my classroom and said, I'm going to watch your class. You need to go to the library. Oh, no. And so I – She knew Ken worked the Pentagon. She knew what was going on. And so I got into the library and I looked – had the TV on. I looked at it and I just was stopped in my steps. I couldn't believe what I was seeing and – the thought came to me, I don't know where Ken works in this building. I don't know what view we're seeing of this oh, building. No. And I don't know where he is and or what's happened to him. And it was empty. It was really hard. <laughs> how how long were you left not knowing? Um or did was he a I good went, man that eventually I, called you? Well the the cell phone lines were <laughs> you couldn't get we out. couldn't get through. I immediately went outside and tried to call and I couldn't and um the principal let me go home and I spent a good hour or two Had to be, I, I was before to before you? before we could get a hold of him, and it was a great relief to hear his voice. Yeah, yeah. But then the then the next. So who was next, her? Yeah, who yeah, do I know? Who do I know there? And how do I get a hold of our children who don't know what's happened to their dad? We no, had a son in Spain. Oh. We had a son at the University of Utah. We had a son <laughs> or a daughter in the MTC in Provo, yeah. and we had two kids in the high school. So wow, it was uh, it was rough. <laughs> it, that you know what? And again, we'll come back and talk more. Um, but really, thank you for. Going through that, really, for the yeah. country, for all of us. That's hard. It was way hard. We're talking again with Kenneth and Joni Page. Kenneth, uh, it was uh, um, in the Pentagon on 9-11, and Joni was in school and then had to track Ken down. Teach him a lesson. <laughs> See the pain we put each other through, but that's, I guess, <laughs> there's the benefit of love, right? If you yeah. love each yeah. other, then you get the you benefit of fretting. 
Okay, we're taking a break, folks, honoring those. And again, I want to so uh, honor all of those in the military that uh, give their lives day in, day out, risk their lives, and just show us uh, and model for us um, patriotism. Also, everybody that has that had lost a loved one, we honor you as well. We're going to take a break. We're coming right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show, uh, celebrating, honoring, revering uh, those that we lost on 9-11. Townsend Show, remembering and honoring those uh, that we lost on 9-11 and the heroes that were made that day and the heroes that are in every story of, of everybody that that exercised some faith, that exercised some, I don't know, belief and power. We're talking with Kenneth Page and his wife, Joni. Kenneth was in the Pentagon. He um, was working there. As a defense contractor, is that right? Or were you, colonel. you were a colonel when duty, you were yeah. there. Uh-huh. You were active duty colonel. Um, and by by just, I guess, by a blessing from above, your calendar clears, you decide to go exercise, and um, then the uh, the plane hits the building. Yeah. And it, you, you weren't in meetings. You weren't over there doing busy work. You could have been... Absolutely. It, 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 it was the only time in my entire tour at the Pentagon that I went to the gym at that time of day. <laughs> See, Literally. The by the way, Ken, that's why I don't go to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. You never know what's going to happen. You never know. <laughs> but now I'm going to start going. But Joni, was, uh, his, Joni, his wife, uh, by the way, 37 years. Congratulations on Thank that. You. Which, by the way, after this, she probably wasn't, you know, she may have been mad at you. <laughs> because you couldn't get a hold of him forever. <laughs> no, it you, wasn't his fault. I, yeah, I wasn't mad at you him. I was, but I was pretty concerned. <laughs> but that's what I want to talk about because that morning you were you had a prompting. You had a something yes. come over you. Talk about that. Um, I was getting ready to go to school, and while I was um, doing my hair, I a total impression. A, a demand, yeah, a command, to, right? A command to um, pray for the safety of my husband. Just came to your mind. Just came into my mind, and um, so I did. And um, not knowing why, but I did it anyway, and went off to school, thinking, "What a beautiful day!" And then um, it occurred to me, <laughs> yeah, after I saw the pictures on the TV, why I isn't had been amazing? told to do that. And it's so subtle, isn't it? Because yes. you'd. But I mean, yeah, pray for the safety of your husband. And that maybe was what cleared your schedule. That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) Something cleared your schedule. Or maybe that's what got you to go to the gym. Yeah. Uh, God intervened to get you to the gym. I I think so, because it was so unusual. Uh, You know, the days are long there. They're they're 12, 13-hour days, and and they're mostly filled with meetings. And they just don't get uh, canceled. It just doesn't happen. So Mm. it was a very unusual experience from start to finish. Well, and how powerful to know. It's interesting. When you finally made it home, Joni was talking about how you you just kind of fell into each other's arms. and uh, Yeah, it was – Relief. It was – yeah, we had to really express some – 
emotion Get at that out. time just to actually see him and have him in my arms and know he really was safe. Oh. Yeah, and I think Joni had to think about that all day. You know, I ended up having to walk the three miles over to where my people were working in that office building, which took about an hour, and, and then try and track those people down and find them. So I was busy nonstop yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and really didn't have a chance to, to actually sit down and process what happened until I got home. But one thing that's interesting about you, you were um, – were you a squadron commander? What were you doing in the Pentagon? What was your role? Uh, I wasn't a commander there, but I, I was uh, the deputy director of command and control. So I was in – Working with the uh, the AWACS airplanes, mm-hmm. the direct fighter jets. Yeah. When you're in operations, uh, we do the the organized train and equip. This is what the Pentagon getting does. everybody so yeah. ready to ready to go and uh, funded and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So that's what I was doing for a job. Well, which is interesting because it's a leadership type of role. Yeah. And then, meanwhile, and a lot of people don't know this, but in the in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, it's it's no no one really in the church leadership is is paid. So you just kind of are you you just are given opportunities to serve. You happen to be what they call a stake leader, a stake president, which is over probably two three thousand members of the church. Yeah, four thousand five hundred. Uh, to know the number and, exactly. Uh, yeah, and and about and twelve congregations. Twelve congregations and about forty five hundred LDS faithful were under your stewardship. Meanwhile, you're you're trying to be a leader in the Pentagon. Having to worry about all of your people mm-hmm. in a building many miles away and worry about 4,500 people and worry about your wife. And so how do you do that? You, how, where do you begin? <laughs> you just do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, every spare moment, you're thinking of doing something. So if, if you have a down minute on the job, you know, I make a few phone calls yeah. and get people working on it. Within the, the geographical boundaries of, of this organization, this church organization, uh, we had five military installations. And the Pentagon wasn't within my geographical boundaries, but but I still had quite yeah, a few people yeah. that, that, that I was responsible for that mm-hmm. worked at the Pentagon. So trying to figure out uh, who, who might have been hurt, killed, uh, injured. Uh, oh. I mean, you could, you're now worried, do I have members of my congregations yeah. that have passed away? So I now I got to go see them. I want to go see them. I, and meanwhile, you're, you finally got home, Joni, and then all of a sudden your ward members, your, yes. your church congregation started yes. gathering around yes. you. Yes, the door doorbell was ringing and people were coming in. They were helping me make phone calls to our parents and to our children who were away oh. from us um, to let them know that their dad was okay. And, so powerful. Uh, yeah, it was great. Talk about um, your lessons. What 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 lessons have you taken away from being there? I, I think just the thought that that you can go to work on any given day and and not come home. So it's wise to have your life in order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, make sure you tell your spouse on the way out the door that you love her. You love her. Uh, give them a kiss. Make sure you have good relationship with your children. You just don't know what's going to happen mm. um, because it, it, it it's out of your control. Um, so I think that was a big lesson. What does it feel um, like? Do you remember the spirit of um, unity that the country felt? What did it feel like being somebody so deeply in the military, in the leadership that you were preparing for the war to, to have the country behind you? Oh, it, it was fabulous. Uh, that's the that's probably the biggest thing I remember about it is one of the few times our country has been unified. Don't you think? Totally. Galvanized is, mm-hmm. is kind of the word that comes to my mind yeah. uh, in, in what we – how we were feeling. Uh, we had uh, 
clergy, we had broadcasters, we had uh, politicians given voice to how we were feeling, our right. thoughts and our feelings and, and, and our emotions during the day. Uh, but the whole country was, was locked together in yeah. lockstep in, in moving forward. Uh, isn't that amazing? And um, don't you remember? I remember like a, a serviceman would walk down the aisle of an airplane and everyone would just cheer. I mean, it was like, wow. Yeah. When have we ever – I mean, you know, Vietnam kind of took we, that away from everyone. We did not do that that's before right. 9-11. I know. And that's been one of the, the best things. And then we kind of got of a bad taste again recently. I mean, it's like, come on. We don't need disasters to recognize how yeah. great we've got it. It's powerful. It is very powerful. Talk to us, Joni, as we wrap up. Um, what did you learn? What do you take away? You, I mean, you're not just a teacher. You're not just a mom. You're not just a wife. Mm-hmm. You, you saw some really powerful blessings. I, I took away that you'd never take anything for granted, and um, a lot like Ken, just um, the relationships that you have are the most important things that we have, and and our, our belief and our faith. And um, as awful as it was, those things were strengthened. And um, so, you know, you can look back on an event and say we were truly blessed. And you know, you you understand the power of prayer. You understand the power of unity. You understand the power of family better yeah. because of having gone through that. Isn't it amazing? And there's this symbol, it seems like, of the um, Pentagon that you – even though only – you were on the other side of the Pentagon and the, pen, the side that got hit. Um, but the next morning when you go in, there's soot – ashes, whatever, from the explosion that had made its way through the ventilation systems, and you're cleaning up your side. And that's kind of like symbolic of this world. We don't, you can't take a hit on one part of the world without it impacting you. Yeah, it, it was pretty somber. I was literally the only person in, in the office. Were you? And, uh, and, the essential member yeah. had to go. And there was that's nothing good. really to do at that time right. except clean up because right. we were still the, – the senior leaders were still trying to figure out how to how to move forward. What we're doing next. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys. I really do. And again, everybody in the military, you saw a lot. I mean as a wing commander here at Hill Air Force, that's a big deal. You've, you've served in a lot of big roles and yet um, it's, it's also interesting that you still had to deal with your people one-on-one. Yeah, you, you know, you can be the greatest leader in the world, but you still got to greet them one on one. Yeah, and that's the key to leadership, I think. It's, yeah, it's a one on one relationship that's with right. everybody. Well, and it's also powerful to see your marriage because again, that was one on one. Yeah, it it really helped us to under to appreciate each other more and to and to really be more aware of each other's needs and be in tune to help each other. Yeah, well, you're beautiful. Keep it up. I Thanks. hope you guys have another 37 years. So do we. Yeah, we're working on it. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> You've got it. Hey, what we're going to do is this. We're going to we're going to take a break. And uh, we just we're going to end the the celebration I and mean, we're going to end the the commemoration and the and the uh, the honoring of those on 9/11 with, you know, God bless America by Kate Smith. Um, Then when we come back, we're going to do a little uh, preparation for the BYU football game. Kate Smith, folks, God bless America.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. And welcome to the pregame pregame show. We like to do a pregame pregame show. BYU Cougars will be playing um, Houston at 7 o'clock tonight. 7 o'clock. I have a feeling it's going to be crazy. Are you hooked on that feeling? Please don't sing. Okay. Uh, but here's the deal. Who got you? Because how got you? often do we get to set up, uh, you know, a pregame show? We don't that often. That's right. Because nine eleven usually the they're on. Day. Yeah, usually they're on on Saturdays in the afternoon. But 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 we've got football coming up in about ten minutes. Now we tried to go, you know, to the tailgating parties in but, in search of food. Well, that's what you were searching for. Yes, but apparently they're all gone. To go watch. They're the, actually down at the stadium now. Things are happening at the stadium as we speak. Well, if only we had somebody on location who could help us to understand what's going on. I think we do. Do we? We do. The queen. We sent the redhead. The queen of the show. We all, AKA Ginger Snap. <laughs> Maddie Richard hey is. Guys. How are you, Maddie? <laughs> It's great. It's crazy down here. It's so fun. Is there you guys food? Are missing out. I oh, yeah. Is there food? You walk out of our broadcast building and you can smell mm. barbecue. Mm. I am not kidding. The sky, I like thought there was a fire by the stadium. Nope. It's just some people <laughs> grilling up ribs. Making some ribs. Awesome. Have you, um, are you there by yourself? Um, no. I am part of the probably 500 people. That are already here wow. to watch the Cougar Walk, and that's just the people I can see. The line is—it's like a sea of blue that starts at the south stand, the south stand, and just goes around the stadium. I don't even know how far back. I'm not at the end of the line. No way am I going to the back. Well, this I'm is weird because line. you're not very tall. How can you yeah. see so far? <laughs> I can't. I'm telling you, that's why I don't know how many people are here because I—it's just crazy. You know, so that's, many people, and I can't see the end because I'm a shorty. No, but you're also you're you're very you're you're giving us the play by play. Talk about the stadium because a few things are going to be different about the game. Uh, some of the the helmets are going to be changing. The uniforms yeah. will be changing. Yeah. Talk- so both teams have done a tribute to 9/11. BYU has helmets that have an American flag, and they have um, just this beautiful tribute to 9/11 on the helmets. I think Houston all. Has yeah, they do. Helmets that are this tribute, and then in the stadium right now, nobody's sitting down, and the seats fell out. We will not forget. Oh, really? So there's going yeah. to be one of those. Hey, flip your card up. Yep. And and it'll spell out the words. We will not forget. Yeah, it's really. Oh, we will really never cool. forget. We will never forget exactly. And I, I'm told that they're going to be doing a, a very beautiful tribute of the national anthem at the beginning. And Brad and Haley Devine are videographers that are well-known across Utah. They're going to be filming that, actually. Wow. Um, that beautiful, you know. Tribute. Tribute with the national anthem. It's going to no. be an awesome game. And all the people here have so much energy. They're so excited. It's the first game. It's a great time to be patriotic and be proud of your team. It's just going to be a really great day today. That's awesome. Sean. Yeah, now they've also done redone the logo in the middle of the field to look like the logo that is on the helmets for BYU. Yeah, 
They're doing everything out there. They are. They're pulling out all the stops. And we Cosmo, uh-huh. Cosmo can't talk, Matt, but he wanted me to tell you <laughs> to give you a high five, and I'm going to give you a high five right when okay. I go back to the studio, okay. right from Cosmo. Well, by the way, a high five would be great, but bring some ribs. ribs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stop by. There's a dozen tailgaters, and some of them yeah. have been here since, like, noon. Tell them I'll help so their marriages. <laughs> okay. I will exchange ribs for therapy. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah. Hey, this is what I want you to do, though, because Cosmo told you something. So I want you in your best voice to imitate Cosmo's voice. No, no, no. no. Cosmo doesn't talk. He gestures, <laughs> Matt. Come on. So he gestured to give me a high five? Yeah. yeah. He was like, he like pointed to my phone. Who are you on the phone with? And I said, oh, Matt Townsend. <laughs> and he goes, high five. And then pointing to my phone, so high five for you. Is, oh, well, so gosh. that is what I'm going to do. I'm is Cosmo married? I'm going to say, is was Cosmo, Cosmo in the office recently? Yeah. Maybe Cosmo was picking up on you. Oh. Oh, well, he did I, He did tweet me off my feet one time for a picture. Did he really? And, at a, yeah, he did. And it was on my bucket list to get a picture of Cosmo before I left BYU. And I've got one where he's just swept me off my feet. Did you, did you kiss him? Oh, no, 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 no. Not on the first date, Matt. No. You teach better than that. Well, there was that one time you came in and you had all that fur on your lip. No. Oh, well, uh, you know, I will not talk about that. Okay. We're supposed to be talking about football. So, so uh, about 500 people there. What, okay. At least. I, I want you to tell me, give me your pick on the game. Um, who are you going to go with? Oh, BYU, of course. No. Um, what do you, <laughs> this is, I'm going to test you. Uh-oh. Because I really don't remember their their mascot, but Houston's got to have a mascot. It's the Astros, right? That's I think that's their no, baseball that's, team. No. Um, who do you know who the Houston As, uh, Houston Astro? No, the Houston mascot is. Oh goodness! I I, I want to say it's that they're Aggies too. Ooh, are they? Like you got to say, I'm pretty. I think they might be, but I'm not sure. I'm gonna have to. I'm not well-versed on Houston stuff. Okay. I'm only well-versed on BYU stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, you've you've kissed uh, you've kissed BYU's. Mascot. I know, right? I know. So I can't I can't be knowing anything about just these other these other teams. Well, now. let me just tell you what we've found out um, via the interweb. Oh, the, okay, the interweb. What the, does it tell us? The mascot is the University of Houston Shasta. The Shasta? Yeah. I don't know. What is that? I don't know what a Shasta is, except it's a beverage. So does it have a big <laughs> beverage? Come out and dance yeah. to their hats? It's a carbonated cool. beverage. Oh, I, know, I know what it is. They're cougars. Are they, is this cougar against cougar? I believe yeah, so. Cougar against cougar. They're yeah. both cougars. Also yeah, known as the mountain those? lion. Are you ready for this, Matt? Yes. Year olds and city year olds. Yeah, that's, we got some fans here that are ready. Really? Yeah, they're ready. Cougar against Cougar, cougar told me. Yes, Cougar against Cougar, but I think their Cougar's name is Shasta. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Cougar, maybe it's a girl Cougar. Oh, Ooh, therapy. Cougar, Cosmo and Shasta, gonna, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Keep your eye on Cosmo. You may have just lost I'm your Cougar. I'm not my sight. Hey, um, is, are there very many uh, Houston fans there? Uh, I've only seen a couple. I can seriously tell you, I've been walking. I walked over here from the building, and it is Blue and white. Everybody yeah. walking over is wearing blue and white. And everybody that's standing in line, except for a couple, blue and white. It's just a sea. It's it's awesome to see such an incredible, you know, cougar pride right now. Cougar Everyone's pride. just sporting the colors, 
they're all decked out, ready to go for it. There's flags everywhere. People have face paint. And then, and the band has just started playing. Oh, my goodness. The band just started playing. There we go. This is getting real, guys. It's crazy. It's time. It's cougar time. Maddie Richard, uh, appreciate your play-by-play. Oh, yeah, of course. i getting paid. You mean, you're paying me to go. Hang out at the game. Actually, I'm paying you to bring me some ribs. Oh, well, I will see what I can do for you. Bring me some ribs. Go give uh, Shasta a hug and a tranquilizer dart. (laughs) Perfect. We appreciate you, Maddie. You're the best. Take care and uh, be careful walking through those uh, tailgaters. Keep your eyes on them. Folks, uh, that's the show. Again, coming up in just a minute or two, the big uh, pregame party and the pregame show Getting ready for the University of Houston BYU Cougars football game. Before we go, a little quote from Maya Angelou. We may encounter defeats, but we must not be defeated. That is in memory of 9-11. A little defeat there, but we will not be defeated. And we're not going to be defeated by lifting everybody else up. Tomorrow, folks, I will be back again on the air. It'll be a best-of program, some of our best shows from this week. Again, we'll be back Monday with more ideas, more tools to give you a leg up in this crazy thing called life. Take care and have fun at the game.